Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Woo! Oh, Arts Express is blowing its whistle at the 3CR station. Arts Express. Power to the people. So all aboard for a journey with Valerie Fafala and Trish Posterino into alternative theatre, cabaret, festivals, comedy and arts activism and plenty of great music, Trish. Oh yeah, that's the ticket. Good morning, I'm Valerie Fafala and you're with Arts Express on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am, digital, podcast and streaming live from 3cr.org.au and available online later today. My guests today are featuring in Victoria's Midsummer Festival, the state's premier queer arts and cultural festival, which runs through January and February. First on the program is Karma Dance Artistic Director, Govind Pillai. Good day, Govind. Good day, Valerie. Govind, who will discuss their um, original production, Bent Bollywood, an eclectic and libidinous dance show that combines the technical rigour of classical Indian dance with the camp theatrics of Bollywood. And Govind's on his own. His his working partner, Raina Peterson, isn't available today. Well, she could have been, but it'll be delightful to speak to Govind. After that, I'll talk to rock blues funk legend Calliope, who will perform a set at the Midsummer Festival Rap Party with Monique Kenny, Michelle Parsons and others. That'll be on Sunday, Feb 4th at the Arts Centre. And Calliope will also talk about her terrific new recording, Love, Loss and Mental Health, a 40-year compilation of her work as a feisty vocalist, songwriter and guitarist with various bands. So let's get started with Govin Pillai. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Valerie. Can you tell us about this wonderful new show, Karma Dance? Um, It's Bent Bollywood and it's described as a moving invocation of diaspora, gender and transgression. Yeah, so Valerie, we're uh, classical Indian dancers trained in a very ancient tradition uh, that comes from almost 3,000 years ago. And uh, what we often find is that it's got so much spirituality and so much sensuality to it. Uh, But it's not necessarily always as accessible to people who haven't seen it or aren't from the culture. So we thought, look, we're both queer and we're both very camp. (laughs) And uh, we thought that there was space to tell a queer story or uh, to share a queer um, experience through the art form. Um, through Bollywood, which, you know, has lots of space for glitter and mirror balls and, and sparkly things and uh, the camp theatrics, as we call it, of Bollywood. Uh, so we, we wanted to merge the two. It sounds fantastic. So you've got the wonderful costuming that goes with Bend Bollywood. Indeed. With Bollywood. And um, you've got the music backing you from Bollywood. That's right. And at the same time, you're going to be introducing audiences to some wonderful Indian dance. Now, can you tell us a bit about this traditional dance, particularly the one that you do? Mm. And also, you've you've linked that. You both um, both the dancers are from southern India, apparently. And Raina, who's not here today, has a background as a Fijian Indian um, with an Australian mix. And you were directly from um, 
Kerala. Mm, that's right. In India, which is near Madras. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So both the classical forms that we we uh, perform or tr- are trained in, uh, well, they're called Bharatanatyam for myself and Mohiniyattam for Raina, yes. and they're from the south of India. And uh, they were started off as a temple dancing tradition. So uh, dancers were, well, young girls were dedicated to the temples by their parents and, and then lived a life of dancing for the gods in the temples and their audience was always the gods. And, um, and, and that was a sacrifice that they did. And they were professional dancers and that's what they did. Um, but the type of dancing was very sensual because what they were expressing was a love for God. And over the years, it evolved uh, into a you know into what was called in those times an erotic art form. Yes, because it was a very carnal relationship they experienced with God. It was kind of, it was the only one that they had, um, and so so it was very sensual and very um, uh, expressive and very loving and devoted, um, and and highly spiritual and inward. Um, and then, of course, colonization happened in India, and and a lot of art forms were sensitized a little bit, and you know uh, potentially. Censored uh, censored is probably the word, yes, sanitized and censored. <laughs> um, and so classical Indian dance went through a whole period of perhaps, I think, 100 to, to 200 years of being um, quite uh, um, in, in the sort of background and didn't, it wasn't seen much in the foreground and the temple dancing was stopped for, for a long time. So it's only been revived in the last several hundred years. And, um, and, and yeah, it's now a really beautiful stage art form that's, uh, you know, quite rigorous. We're so lucky to have that here. It's going mm. to be performed at the Mechanics Institute, which is at 270 Sydney Road, Brunswick, um, 25th to the 27th of January, and then the 31st of January to the 3rd of February at 7.30 for an hour. Um, it just sounds fascinating to me. Now, um, you'd, in describing um, the concert, um, the media release anyway, says, witness the treacherous imagination of the diaspora, the post-colonial rage of the subaltern and the exuberant lust of the queers who would have written a much better Kama Sutra if only they'd been asked. That's just such a lovely descriptive Mm -hmm. paragraph. The post-colonial rage of the subaltern. Now, that's fascinating. Can you describe Mm -hmm. that a bit? You just said they were colonised, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. that made many Indians very frustrated. Mm, Absolutely. So uh, some of the things that happened in those times were that, um, you know, uh, temple statues of of women or gods um, were uh, were often um, manipulated or changed. Um, So if if the women were more exposed in their statues than the colonisers liked, they would have their bosoms cut off or, or parts of their bodies modified so that they weren't as um, as provocative. Yes. And the dancers also were, were were needing to be modified and their costuming was changed. So women wore more than they used to in the heat uh, to cover up more. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we, we've chosen to go back to what we see as some of those fundamental practices that we used to have. Um, so, so we're returning to more traditional um, costuming, which is potentially more revealing um, and... Uh, and yeah, almost decolonizing for ourselves the art form. Well, the Brits were prudes, as we know, and Aussies are a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, Indian culture is quite conservative in terms mm-hmm. of the way it treats women generally, mm-hmm. apart from this. So this is it's a bit of like a split, mm. isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think that's a, a contention that modern India faces a lot in terms of the representation of women in traditional Indian practice um, as well as colonial practice. And there's there's elements in both that have come together in in particular ways today in India, where uh, you know where I think there's a there's a there's a big journey uh, that 
that as a, as a nation and as a culture um, is needed to be made uh, in terms of feminism and, and the rights of women. And in terms of Hindu culture, are you still um, Hindu, basically? Yes, I am, and, and Raina is as well. Um, uh, now, that's culture and the religion, of mm. course, but the culture is just incredible, isn't it? So mm. you're drawing on thousands and thousands of years mm. of cultural practice. Yeah, absolutely. So even in the in the show, some of the hand gestures that people will see and the, and the movements of our fingers are, are codified um, in texts that are 3,000 years old, which we still learn to recite and we learn to, to, to draw from. So uh, elements of the show are really quite ancient, um, yet uh, a lot of what we're doing is very relevant for, for today. Um, you also have... Um a danced studio, Karma Dance. Mm. It's a classical and contemporary dance company and teaching academy whose productions have sold out at festivals and on stages in Australia and around the world. Um, and you have students, including many Aussie students of all different cultures and mm. backgrounds, Yeah, and you're teaching them some skills and how to dance with grace, but also presumably the... The traditions, mm, absolutely, yeah, and it's it's amazing how much talking is done in class as well as dancing because a lot of the old training method is around sharing sharing the culture and the the wisdom of of I think those generations before uh, on you know personal development, personal improvement, um, uh, yeah, I think um, self self confidence um, and things like that. Where is that dance studio based? Uh, yeah, so classes run in Epping as well as in Richmond. Mm. Mm. Now, in addition to being a dance teacher and performer, you're a business consultant at Ernst & Young, mm. which is an interesting contrast. Yeah, I find it um, it helps with my left and right brain sort of balance in terms of taking a break from either profession. Um, but, of course, the arts is a, is, a, is a very hard sector in Australia today to uh, to survive as an artist in, and I, and I really respect the artists that don't have to or choose to do what I do. I, I, I admire them perhaps more than myself because I think they really dedicate a lifetime to it and um, and make a big difference in Australia. Um, and they don't get often get, don't get paid for no, their work. No, that's right. One of the things that you've said is, um, our dance practice is perhaps easily described as a tree with ancient roots and fresh new leaves. Our roots are deeply planted in a rich classical Indian dance tradition where the soil is teeming with nutrients and minerals. Um, And then from here we sprout new leaves as we experiment with learnings from other cultures, more modern times and our own Mm. life stories. Mm. So you've incorporated the contemporary in this show as well. Absolutely. And, you know, controversially so. So a lot of the um, the more traditional uh, thinking members of the Indian community particularly and, and also other, other classical communities like those from a ballet tradition often look at what we do and they say, well, you're tinkering with an ancient art form. It's, you know, it's... it's, it's um, it's it's spiritual. It's you, you know you can't meddle with it. Um, but often our response to that is that well, classical Indian dance looked very different three thousand years ago to what it looked like during times of colonisation and then post-colonially when it was resurrected and 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 now. So of course it's changed and people have added new leaves to this tree and those leaves have been of different colours and um, and so we, we feel right and, and comfortable in doing that and and uh, almost progressing the tradition as it needs to. It does need to, and uh, a similar thing. Uh, my in-laws are, are from Calabria, ah, yeah. and I know that um, um, the the many people who came from their towns mm. here in the fifties and had the local dialect. When they go back to Italy now, yeah. people say, "Well, that doesn't exist right. anymore." Yeah. So this is natural progress. Yeah. Um, 
Melbourne has the largest Indian population in Australia. Mm. So presumably also you're getting a lot of Indians along. Yeah, absolutely. To your shows, is that yeah, right? that is right. Yeah, so um, mainly our classical Indian work, which is um, you know more pure and uh, you know aligned to the the traditional aesthetic, um, is very popular amongst the classical sort of the Indian community here as well as in in other cities that we perform in. Um, but as as a dance company, one of the things we're really uh, conscious and and uh, focused on is presenting the art form in a way that's. Um, uh, accessible for for wider audiences so we put a lot, a lot of effort into making sure that uh, you know we're in more mainstream festivals and stages um so that we can share a bit of that culture with people who who may never have seen it before um now just just one thing on the different styles i mm-hmm. understand your style baritone yeah baritone natium baritone yeah Sorry. well done it's baritonatium. a bit of a tongue twister <laughs> baritonatium um, is um, tends to present with lines and angular formations and pronounced rhythm, mm. whereas uh, the Moanyatam mm. um, is more of slow, circular, sinuous movements. Mm. There are certain structural similarities between the two styles, um, and so you you synchronize those two and create positive tension and harmony between. Mm the sharpness and the roundness mm. that's that's fascinating so mm. that in itself is a a really creative process of improvisation mm. working on those two things together absolutely and has mm. that been done before uh not in this in a similar way so where, where it has been done before often you find that the Bharatanatyam dancer does their movements uh, is quite separately to the Mohiniyatam dancer. And this is also because of that aversion to try and change anything yes. of the tradition. So they dance along each other, alongside each other to the same music but looking very different. Um, or, uh, or one entirely takes on the form of the other art form. But what we've done is tried to find somewhere in between where we're through, through a movement phrase we may journey through both styles and come back again. Um, and and the word harmony there I really like because we're not singing the same note but we're we're um, you know going to a similar place and in a, in, a, in a sort of way that sounds or looks good in this context or, or feels good so mm, yeah that's beautiful mm. okay well look um, thank you um, very much for coming in uh, to Arts Express Gavind and uh, just mentioning that the Midsummer Festival is coming up and Karma Dance is uh, making its Midsummer Festival premiere with Bent Bollywood. And uh, it's going to be a beautiful show combining tradition with uh, the uh, camp theatrics of Bollywood uh, at the Mechanics Institute, 270 Sydney Road, Brunswick, 25th to 27th of January, and then the 31st to the 3rd of February at 7.30. Um, for book- booking and information, go to bent.karmadance.org or midsummer.org.au Thanks for having me Valerie Thanks Gavin very much for coming in I got the red eyed unemployed workers desperation Why does a wealthy country like Australia allow its unemployed workers to struggle in poverty without trying to create jobs You may well ask Unemployed Workers Fight Back is the Australian Unemployed Workers Union program, part of the sewer program on every second Friday of the month, 5.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Our social security system is being defunded, privatised and dismantled 
and the poor and vulnerable are being criminalised and trampled upon. The Australian Unemployed Workers' Union is focused on helping unemployed and underemployed workers deal effectively with the job agencies, empowering them to fight back for their rights. Remember, unemployed workers fight back every second Friday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR Community Radio. Well, now I'm speaking to uh, rock blues funk legend Calliope, who perform a set at the Midsummer Festival Rap Party with Monique Kearney, Michelle Parsons and others on Sunday, Feb 4th at the Arts Centre. Good day, Calliope. Look, it's lovely to um, speak to you. I was just playing some of your beautiful new album, Love, Loss and Mental Health, which is a 40-year compilation. It's wonderful. And I was playing um, the beautiful one, Forever in a Day which I just thought Thank was you. gorgeous. I've been through and, and listened to them all, and they're just, just gorgeous and all quite different. You've got, you've got some that are bluesy, some that are folky, and you've got rock, and you've got a bit of uh, oh, heavy metal, everything. Yes. Yes, it's a bit of an eclectic history, Valerie, and, and it's, um, I, I, um, I'm very proud of it, really. Can you tell us a bit about that before we, we talk about the Midsummer Festival? Oh, sure. You know, um, I guess um, I decided to celebrate the 40-year um, anniversary, having realised that I guess my first residency was at Trisha's Night Spot. I don't know if anybody remembers that. It was a... Sure, our listeners um, would. Yeah. Um, uh, Trisha's Night Spot. Trish, John Barry, who um, he, he, who was a, a, a drag queen as Trisha, had a venue in um, North Melbourne. I was just in year 10 when I started there and then uh, started a residency. I guess I'm giving away my age, but the residency started in... Um, Maturity. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> 78. And and, um, and then I was working um, another club around Cassidy's, the sort of competitor, both in North Melbourne. Um, I was just a kid and I didn't even realise that Trish was a, a, a drag queen until about six months after I was working there. But everyone in the band was about 10 years older than me and I uh, had to get pet. My parents needed to give them permission to take me out of the, you know, at night. And, but um, so, you know, 40 years later, um, I'm sort of 
really wanting to celebrate um, uh, some selected tracks and I was sort of thinking about what has been my theme and I guess um, it's been tragic, tragic love stories, um, a lot of loss, um, you know, um, in, 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 with the industry, as you could probably imagine. I won't get into in detail here, but also mental health has been a consistent theme. One of the, a new track on this CD, A Night in a Madhouse, has, has not been previously released either. And um, that's about the first gig that I was... Um, <laughs> Um, a roadie uh, got us a gig at uh, Morundal in Bandura and I was just a kid, 17 I think at the time and that's a song that was really a story about that gig. It was just an, an amazing eye-opening and, you know, uh, classic tunes just, um, I think, remained strong. So, so yeah, I'm sort of uh, wanting to celebrate this and use the um, festival. I, I was inspired by the, um, the Midsummer Festival to put this together and working with some wonderful women and we're also doing goddess grooves on 30th of january so working with some wonderful women on on that and i thought well look i'll i'll um, put this together and use this as a platform to get out and about and um, i've been writing some new material but i haven't thought about the production because as you say this album is quite eclectic with its production i and i feel i'm at another another stage now and i want to think a bit um deeper and so I'm collaborating with a lot of great musicians, and the, the girls are a, a, a bunch of, you know, Michelle Parsons, Monique Kelly, and Michelle Chandler, and and also um, Stu Cornell from um, my funk band, and um, you know, lots of different sort of Tim Matthews, a uh, uh, bass player, so various um, musicians around town that I'm collaborating with, and hoping to find a, I guess, a new sound. I don't know about a new sound, perhaps an evolved sound. I think. Yeah, and your your Greek, and then, your Greek background also. So you you bring some wonderful, um, um, well, in your songwriting too. You bring some wonderful themes through that will be quite different for for listeners from your background. Yes, yes, I think um, the the Greek background does. I guess three things predominantly with my style of music. It does influence the the themes and the perspective, and I guess um, what needs to be. In my, in my, you know, what I feel uh, it influences what I feel needs to be sort of uh, written about. I guess so. It does influence the themes, but also I think it influences the melody lines and the rhythms um, hmm. in the music. E- even like some of the rhythms as in, in the tunes, like "Oceans of Love" and "Sweet Love," are, they're in nine four and, and five eight, and so they're, they're sort of rhythms that have been influenced by Greek dances. And um, but the, also the rhythms in the melody lines are sort of sometimes they're off. Of out of you know off off time and playing with time, which I guess um, Western music might call that a jazz influence, but it really is influenced from the the Greek yeah. um, rhythms that I sort of grew up with, and and even the melodies too. Sort of you know with with Western music, um, you know we we sort of criticise intonation when it's not perfect, but of course it's with Greek and and, and even Middle Eastern music, um, uh, it, it's about the anticipated intonation. So it's it's about the notes that are not quite there, so that's the expressive moment that it's just before that you get with fretless instruments. But of course, you get that with voice. So, a lot of my my tunes, when I analyse them, they, there's a play interplay between the major third and the minor third in my melodies, which does give it that blues flavour. If you were going to analyse it from a Western perspective, but it's, it's all real uh, Greek influences, I think. Oh yes. Anyway, the the this album is is beautiful, and it brings a lot together from your. 40 years 
experience in the music industry, mainly in the rock area and travelling internationally, weren't you? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I had. Um, I, I guess I was. I was. I was doing um, originals in the eighties um, in in um, in Melbourne, but was making a living doing um, covers as Bobby Marie back then, and so I, I took it. I you know I felt that I had reached a sort of plateau. Uh, here and there wasn't that much opportunity um, for original acts then. Um, now, well, that's another another dialogue. In fact, because it, it sort of seems to be up and down here in Melbourne. But I took it to the states and launched it in um, in America and, and had a wonderful time for uh, over a three year period between ninety one and or ro- probably even to, through to ninety five. But I did. Um, I did have an experience. I was, um, you know, a lot of my catalogue was was plagiarised, and mm, um, and that, that became. It is mm. shocking, and that was, um, you know, that was supported by the Australian Copyright Council. My um, my my girlfriend at the time, um, you know, notated them, so we were able to present it, and we had the recordings and everything. And so it's, it is unfortunate, and that that was sort of um, really um, publicised and. And, and and it was also once I realised that it, it sort of I guess it introduced I, I started getting anxiety so I, I didn't want to at the time didn't really want to pursue um, the fight I just really wanted it known to the public and yes yeah. yeah, so there's a couple of albums that um, I guess I, I you know I will probably um, post something about that uh, later in the year probably after the festival and I don't really want it to interfere with my 40 year um, compilation at the moment but. Yeah, I just feel like it's part of culture, and I think the, um, the, um, the Australian public have the right, and in fact, the international public have the right to know the truth about yeah. where music. Co- and I'm sure I'm not the only one. This is, in fact, I know I'm not the only one. This is happening to out of LA. You know, it's a it's a town that sort of does that, sort of chews you up and yeah. spits you out. That's right. Now we've got to we've got that. to get going uh, because we finished. Okay. Um, but I just want to um, mention again what. The shows you're in in the Midsummer Festival, Calliope, and I hope yes, so that um, we'll be able to have you on again when you actually release the CD uh, down yes, the track. Yes, well, okay. Yes, I do mention uh, Goddess Grooves on the thirtieth uh, of January, thirtieth uh, of January, Tuesday, thirtieth of January at uh, Hairs and Hyenas. Yeah. So tickets are available. I believe that will sell out because it's a smaller venue. So yeah. do grab your tickets. Yes. All right. Thanks. Uh, and thanks the second for one. And the second one is the. And, uh, um, 30 minutes set the at the Midsummer up. Festival Rap Party, and that's, um, that's right. at the Arts Centre, uh, Sunday, Feb 4th. Oh, that's right. Thanks. Thanks, right. thanks for your support, thanks. Valerie. Thanks, Galliope. Enjoy- we're, we're going to go out with your first song, which is Heaven's Calling. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you, you very Enjoy. Much. Enjoy. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. 